Cattle Call Podcast. Merry Christmas. It is technically uh, Christmas Eve right now while I'm recording, but man, Merry Christmas Eve. Kansas City Chiefs just played and won, so I'm already in a good mood. We're rolling, man. We're excited to be here. I'm Isaac Weston, and oh, that was uh, we have a fire going because it's like three degrees outside in the ice and the snow here in Memphis. Anyway, yeah, uh, every every time I, I get on this podcast and start an episode, it's like this inaugural. Oh, hey, like uh, I, I decided I'm gonna rebrand the podcast. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do something different now. I'm gonna do it like this, and I'll do that one episode. I'll put it out. I won't do anything for months. And at that point, I've had a new idea. And you go, okay, hold on. I'm going to change the tempo of the, of the podcast. I'm going to do I'm going to do this instead. Then I completely change it. Here's the thing. Fact of the matter is I have not been very faithful with this podcast. And I've been weak and passive. So, not wanting to be soft. We're back at it. It is Christmas Eve. And I'm going to do just a very brief episode on... On what Christmas means to me, uh, just just some little things. Now, first, I am filming this episode. I'm going to start doing videos of episodes. Not very cool. I'm actually literally just sitting here in my living room, and I don't think you can see him in the camera. But my my dog, Big Chief, a like twelve pound dachshund, is curled up on the couch. He's a stud. Um. I will start filming these for, for any interviews or monologues like I'm doing just to have a visual aspect. A lot of people like visual. I will put it up on YouTube. Uh, however, you know, you can still find the audio version at Spotify and Apple podcast primarily. It'll, it'll still be on every platform, but Hey, if you want to just watch me sit here and ramble and drink today, it's uh, coffee and scotch separate glasses, but you can watch that if you want. Christmas, 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 man, it is, a. it's a, it's a very special day. It's a great time of year, especially as a Christian and what Christmas means and in a way better version of, you know, something coming, something to look forward to with, uh, almost a good angst and, and hope. I feel like every time I got on here to do a podcast, I was always hopeful for what was coming and what I would do differently and how something would be, you know, cool, something monumental that would change things. And it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then of course I let any followers I might even still have, uh, let them down and a way better version of that. Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost scripture says, however, tonight, I just want to talk a little bit about why he had to come and why he came this way. Now I am now theologian. I'm definitely not a, uh, any teaching pastor. I know just a little bit about scripture that I've gotten to learn over the years, but this is a, a very, very necessary time. Paul Harvey, and of course I'm young and I didn't get to listen to him at all in his prime. He was a, uh, a, a radio host, American radio host, you might have heard him say, I always heard it in my dad's car growing up when he'd have his talk radio on and it came to, you know, Paul's little insert in the program and he'd go with whatever's going on in the world and the country that day. And then he would, or he'd even just do one cool story. 
and he would end it at the end saying, and now you know the rest of the story, something like that. Now, Paul Harvey, uh, just a radio icon. Well, in 1965, and I'm not going to try to do his thing. I'm actually talking about him because he has a lot of great stories that he read on air. And one of which is a Christmas story called The Man and the Birds. Now, I heard this story probably eight years ago now, not even from Paul Harvey. Actually, I think my mom told me about it, and I read a transcript of the story, Man and the Birds. It actually, this is a, not sure if it's true, but Paul Harvey did tell us on air in 1965. Story takes place on Christmas Eve in a whole different world. Good old days, as I call them. There's a man. Story goes, he's not a Scrooge. He's just not a, a Christmas fan. He's not a believer. And the reason for Christmas, wouldn't call himself a Christian. And when his wife and kids decided they were going to a Christmas Eve service at their church, man just shot straight with his wife and said, Hey, I don't, you know, I don't blame you for going. And, uh, I will be honest. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't really see the need for it. So instead of going there and faking it, I'm just going to be genuine. And I'll just stay behind and hold down the farm while you guys go to church. His wife understood and her and the kids ran off to the church. Apparently it's supposed to be a, a midnight service. So it's going to be late. He uh, goes in his living room to hang out, stay warm. There's a winter storm coming in. Starts hearing a, a thud hit his picture window. He figures some of the, the kids nearby are, you know, throwing snowballs at his house. He uh, looks outside after he, the thuds don't stop, and it's birds. He sees these birds. They're trying to get out of the uh, incoming storm. And, of course, they see the, the light inside his house, and, they're attracted to it, so of course they keep hitting the window trying to get in, trying to get shelter. He realizes, oh man, these birds are gonna they're gonna freeze to death and die in this storm. However, we do have a barn with a loft, and we can open up these doors to the barn. These birds can fly in there and have shelter. And then ultimately they'll survive. So he goes and opens the doors, turns on the lights. At this point he's out there in the snow trying to coerce these birds to get into his barn because there they will have uh they'll have shelter ultimately they'll have salvation yet they will not get in the more he tries and and almost fights with the birds to to save them the more they spread out and he gets closer and and they go the opposite direction that he, he's trying to get them to go and he realizes that man these these birds not only do they, they not know what the man knows they fear him. So when he gets close and he's trying to save them and he's trying to tell them what, what's in their best interest, ultimately in their life-saving interest, the reason they're running off may not just be because they're stubborn, but that they fear him. And so as the time goes on and the storm grows stronger, it finally hits him that, man, the only way that he could lead these birds to life-saving uh, fortress, that is the barn, would be that if he were to become a bird, they would now recognize that he is one of them, they could relate to him, they would trust him, and then he could lead them into the barn and save them and they could follow. They wouldn't run off the opposite direction. And at that moment, he had realized 
why Christ had to come. Now, the story goes on to say that at that moment he heard church bells, uh, I guess, striking the hour, and he you know fell on his knees in the snow. Paul Harvey tells a, a far more uh, intricate poetic story than I ever could. But when I heard that story, that helped me with evangelism. That helped me with uh, even understanding my, my own stuff in Scripture about the you know humanity and divinity of Christ. You know, why did God have to become a man? Well, same way this man realized he would have to become a bird for them to understand. Now, I think it's awesome. Paul Harvey has a bunch of great stories, of course, and he is, a, in my eyes, he is an American radio icon who died not all that long ago. But this man and the birds, still told in 1965, was also made possible by another great radio feat that is also Christmas related. This is a great story I uh, I read earlier. So, Oh Holy Night, I'm sure most of you are familiar with the song. It is, I think, a fantastic song. I've heard it is, quote, the goat, the greatest of all time, uh, Christmas songs. And in fact, I even have it on uh, one of my worship playlists because I listen to it year round, sometimes hours on end. Like, I just, a huge fan of the song. I think it's so, uh, the lyrics are so powerful, uh, and I even think they're super accurate. A lot of, you know, there's great Christmas songs that are just like secular that are fine. But when this this song opens up with, you know, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, which reminds me of the man of the story. Oh, hear the angel voices. Now, of course, it's saying, oh, night divine when Christ was born. Now, later, kind of uh, unrelated, but this was brought up to me, I guess, by my wife the other day. She showed me a screenshot of something from her Facebook feed. I'm not sure, and if anyone has heard this, you know, definitely feel free to correct me. This is news to me. There is kind of a... Uh, a message circulating that about in the, in the third stanza of a holy night, uh, there's a, it starts like this. It says, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. And then it goes on to say, sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. Now, the thing going on on Facebook, or actually it was a screenshot of a tweet that someone put on Facebook, is that the American and especially white evangelical church has ripped out that third verse about the chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease and that that's being excluded from a holy night because it's tied to slavery and therefore it's, I don't know, controversial and that people, especially white people are trying to forget that part. I don't know. I have not heard that. That is, again, that is news to me. If you have heard that or you've been a part of services where that verse is purposing to be excluded, I'd like to hear it because I didn't know that. Every version of that song I've ever heard, and I've heard a lot of different ones, whether it's a choir in England, you know, to uh, or a mass choir in the Deep South, you know, so I don't know. I always hear that part. So anyway, going off of that, 
looking into the story of O Holy Night, the original version of the song is written in the late 1800s, I think in the 1860s or 70s, by um, a French poet and uh, churchgoer. And he, uh, actually 1847 was when it was uh, originally written in France. Now, it's it's not huge over there. It, it gets enough traction to make it to America. And it's around the Civil War time in America that uh, an American abolitionist actually picks up the songs. And she, he takes that song, translates it to English. I'm not sure what else is added or taken away to make it the, the version that we know now. I don't know if it was just the French version inspired it or if it is verbatim the French version. I, again, I don't know. But I know that this abolitionist takes it, translates it in English, it becomes popular, which is one reason I don't get the point about taking out the slavery line is because at that time in Civil War America, the slavery verse is super applicable and relatable. So people know what it means and they know how that directly correlates to scripture and Christ redeeming us from the, the bondage of sin because they're seeing it also played out in slavery, even in a much smaller capacity. So that happens in you know Civil War time, 1860s into the 1870s, a song grows in popularity in America. Now, in 1906, now I'm, I'm crediting, uh, her name is Anne Gabhart, she must be uh, kind of like a blogger, but this is on her, on her website. I, I found a lot of the stuff. In 1906, a man, I believe his name is Reginald Fessenden, or Fessenden, however you want to pronounce it. Time he's 33 years old, which is kind of cool because that's when Christ was crucified around that age. But he's a 33-year-old university professor. He's also formerly the chief chemist for Thomas Edison, the American engineer and inventor. So in 1906, Reginald... He uh, decides to change things up, and he takes a, a new type of generator that's been developed. Now, I'm not sure if he did it or not, or him or Edison, but anyway, he's pretty handy with this stuff. He takes this new type of generator. He speaks into a microphone, and then this is the first time in human history ever, in the history of I don't care how old you think the world is, however long that is, first time ever he speaks into this microphone that's plugged up to this new generator and this microphone puts his voice on the airwaves. So for the first time ever in the history of mankind, you could hear a man's voice on radio. That sounds crazy. It doesn't sound crazy at all to us because I'm sitting over here on this side of Paul Harvey where Paul Harvey using radio as a medium to share stories with the American public that is so outdated and so old news, but he wouldn't be able to do that if it weren't for Reginald putting this thing together in 1906. So when he, he gets on the airwaves, he starts to talk, and what he decided to talk about was the birth of Jesus Christ, because not only was it 1906, it was Christmas Eve of 1906, and if you get one chance to share something on Christmas Eve for who knows how many people in the world to hear what better than the uh, birth of Jesus Christ? So he goes through and he starts out reading a passage of scripture. And it came to pass in those days 
that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now he came in strong and confident, sharing the story, had no idea the distances that uh, this story would cover. It says, shocked radio operators on ships, and then there was wireless owners at newspapers. They started hearing this voice over their tiny speakers. So what their normal, the normal like uh, the Morse code and other stuff that's being uh, given to them, being it's not even being transcribed the way a voice is, they're now hearing the voice of a man. It's almost, it's got to be angelic. I can't even imagine never hearing a man's voice and suddenly you're on a ship and on your radio instead of hearing like, like you're normally hearing, you're hearing a man's voice read off the birth of Christ. He goes through the whole passage of scripture, reading off the story of the birth of Christ. When he gets done, he picks up his violin and he plays, Oh, Holy Night on his violin. So that made him the first man to ever speak over the radio, the first human voice ever to be on airwaves. And he turns right around and plays a holy night, making it the very first song and very first musical instrument to ever be broadcasted on airwaves. So right there in a matter of minutes, he, he broke history on two fronts, but also, I mean, dude, this guy's like a, he's like an engineer. Like this, this is like a Renaissance man. That's what he went with is oh holy night and the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. Which here I am on a podcast that reaches who knows how many, not not nearly as many as Paul Harvey or, or Reginald Fessenden, let's just say that. Yet if it's not for Reginald, you don't have Paul Harvey. It's not for Paul Harvey. You don't have me hanging out here in my living room with my dog who's now asleep on the couch talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. But in all three of these, with Reginald and with Paul and with myself, there is a, a theme of the, the, the coming of Jesus Christ and why that's significant and why that deserves some airplay. So real quickly to, to wrap up this quick podcast, which has been nice for me to knock the rust off, I'm going to read a couple passages of Scripture, starting in Romans. We'll go with Romans 5. Romans 5, I'm going to go 15 through 19, starting in verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in the life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. And I'm going to hop over real fast to 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 45. I'll go to 45 through 49, maybe even 50. Verse 45 says, So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. 
and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Verse 50 says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. All that to say, whether it's the, the story of the birds or of, of a holy night where Christ comes and the angels rejoice and the slave receives freedom or even scripture talking about how Christ, the, the second Adam, came to, to give us life and life abundantly. There is this theme in scripture of God being the hero. So in, in Genesis 1, we have creation. In Revelation 22, we have redemption. Creation is perfect, but in Genesis 3, of course, it falls. And then in Revelation 20, that's when stuff begins to get restored. It's kind of cool, the little tidbit I learned, that the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, Revelation 21, 22, those are the only pieces of Scripture that are without sin. There's no sin. So the bookends to the Bible are, are sinless. It's God creating and then ultimately God redeeming. But this, this motif running through the Bible is... To get us back to how it all began, there's got to be somebody to save us. And there's this hero, and of course, the hero of the Bible is God. And in the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, God becomes flesh, which is Jesus Christ, to redeem us. So God is the hero. God comes down to us on you know Christmas Eve. To redeem us. So Christmas is, it really, it is a huge deal. And my wife and I were talking earlier, and she, when I said I was going to do a podcast, more so at her, um, I don't know, not even, I wouldn't say like she was like probing me to do one, but we talked about, you know, talking about Christmas stuff. Actually, what are you going to talk about? You know the way almost Christmas has become corrupted because it's become more secularized, and uh, you know, in, in American Western culture, it's not about like the advent of Christ. And it's like, well, I, I thought about it. I definitely could, and it has. But without Christmas, you don't have Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Without Resurrection Sunday, we don't have salvation. Christ had to come. God knowing we were like the birds that kept flying into the windows. Because honestly, we're, we're like sheep who've gone astray. We're, we're, not, we're not smart. We're not wise. We return to our own folly. He had to make himself like a bird. He had to make himself like a man. The way man brought sin into the world, man had to drive it out. God had to relate to us. So he came down as a man, lives a perfect life, dies uh, a death on the cross for our sin, and then is resurrected. He raises himself from the dead after he is crucified and then ascends to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And all this, the law is perfectly fulfilled that if one Adam brings it in, the second and better Adam drives it out. That if we start with the first two chapters of the Bible being sinless, 
something sinless has got to drive it out so that we can return to the way we began and end the story the last two chapters sinless. So God sent himself down in the flesh, which is Jesus Christ, which is Christmas, which is why we are celebrating. And I don't have anything else to say. I just think that that is great. And I would definitely recommend going on to uh, YouTube or somewhere and listening to Paul Harvey's A Christmas Story about the man and the birds and hearing him talk about it. And shoot, listen to Oh Holy Night. Last point I will make as I wrap it up here, talking about the way um, the the way theology and the more that I've gotten to be around people that know a lot more than me and get to learn from them, the more I get to read scripture. When you see all the little intricacies, like the way it, it started and ended without sin, and how God returned that, the way that he does things in a way that mankind could not do himself. There's a, a author named Douglas Webster. He has a book called In Debt to Christ. Never read it, but I've heard a quote from it. He says, um, At the birth of the Son of God, there was brightness at midnight. At the death of the Son of God, there was darkness at noon. So in true God's fashion, brightness at midnight, darkness at noon. Man, I don't have anything else left to say after all that. It is really good to be back. Got some great stuff uh, coming in 2023. Got some great interviews and uh, going to hop into some hopefully pretty big issues, big topics that we can we can discuss and maybe get to a point where we debate, may just have uh, people come on and talk about stuff and moderate. We will see. However, I do want to hop into just some stuff going on and what does it mean to be a Christian and to be involved in your community and be involved in politics and be involved in, uh, in the world today. How do you balance the two? And I'd love to spend 2023 looking through all that. So that being said, been good to be back. Merry Christmas to all and to all a holy night. See you guys on the other side. Thank you. Big Chief.